dad was always like the diplomatic one. Let's resolve this. Let's go to the police. And mum was like, let's not. Let's just slap him down and get the bites back. <laughs> but I love uh, that fire. I love that fire. Well, nobody messes with my kids. Hey, curl friend. How are you doing? I hope you've had a great week so far. Thank you again to all of you who have just been giving me some really great feedback about the episode so far and just letting me know that it's resonating with you and that just makes it all worthwhile so thank you. So with Sunday being Mothering Sunday it's going to mean different things to each of us for for a variety of different reasons and growing up we always approached it quite sensitively at home because my own mum's mum passed away when my mum was just around eight years old and my grandmother sadly passed away during childbirth within just a few years of actually arriving in this country as an immigrant from Dominica, which is out in the Caribbean. So whilst I often wanted to sing and dance about my mum and celebrate her on Mother's Day, it's just always connected to a sadness in the family, so it was always done with respect to that as well. So in this episode, this is just a bit of a Mother's Day tribute to the queen of my universe. And I'm very fortunate to have a super amazing mom who has just been there for me through thick and through thin. And she's just kept me going throughout all of this at times when I found it hard to even want to continue. So I owe everything to my mom and to my dad and Mother's Day is all about her. She's got the most beautiful caring heart, but yet she's still got this ferociousness about her that you can only respect. But she's humble and she's kind and she's definitely not one for talking her business on the internet, unlike me bearing my entire soul to the world. But um, I have managed to convince her to let me capture a conversation by way of this podcast. I'm going to share with you little bits of our conversation so you can hear a little bit about what my mum had to say about embracing her own natural hair journey, growing up and being a mum. What was your relationship with your hair when you were growing up? Scraped back, that was my relationship with my hair. Yeah, (laughs) just keeping it practical. That's right. Yeah, and it's only last year, isn't it, where you decided to embrace your natural hair again yes thanks to you yeah I was really happy to um to be snipping off those little relaxed ends it was like good move (laughs) mum I know you've been um you've been going on at me for quite a while to go natural and I took the plunge and did it last year how does it feel yeah I love it I love it I don't miss having to straighten my hair every day yeah. See, it's such a myth, isn't it, that going natural is such hard work and it's all a big chore. How much easier is it every day now? Oh, it's a lot easier. Good. Because I remember you used to say, oh, it's too much hard work and blah, blah, blah. No, it's, it's not hard work at all. Good. I find it easier than, you know, having to plug that straightener in. And yeah, I love it. Good. I'm very proud of you, Mum. Very proud of you. Because I do remember growing up, your hair was natural for quite a, a long time I know you did have some form of <laughs> some form of jerry curl at one point 
and you also went for the Trisha Goddard look. <laughs> Didn't you? I'll never forget that. You went to the hairdressers and you were, you were sitting in there for ages and then you come out with your Trisha Goddard braids and then you were, no, your weave, wasn't it? And you were, you were not feeling it. Weave. It was a weave, yeah. I got home and um, started to take it out <laughs> the very same day. And I think I spent over £100 on this time. Wouldn't be the first just... time you've done that either, is it, Mum? No, no, it's not the first time. <laughs> so well done for embracing your natural glory. So as we spoke, my mum recalled memories of coming to England when she was just around the age of six years old and they came to live in Birmingham. And she doesn't really see the significance of her story, but to me, I think it's I think it's massive and I think it's hugely significant for a small child. I can't imagine what that must have been like for her at the age of six, leaving the only place you've ever known and your family behind, where in a place of just total natural beauty and community, to where you were in the racial majority as well to then come to a cold and potentially hostile land uh, where you become the minority which is quite a significant change for a small child to go through anyway here's what she had to say about that you are not native to these lands are you mother you're an import where'd you come from i am an import dominica commonwealth of dominica the caribbean the nature of the Caribbean. So how old were you when you came over? I was six years old when I came to England. Do you remember much about Dominica? I mean, obviously we've been there since, but do you remember much from when you were a kid at all? Not really. My memory's terrible. Well, it was I quite a long time my, ago. <laughs> I remember my uncle who kept pigs. So no, I don't remember much at all, though. So. I remember coming to England on the boat. It wasn't the Windrush. I remember being frightened of the white man. <laughs> was that the first time you'd ever saw a white person? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I remember cornflakes. <laughs> first taste of cornflakes. You grew up in Dominica. You came over by boat shortly after the Windrush. And you came to England and landed... In Birmingham? Yeah, Sparkbrook, Birmingham, yeah. I remember pulling up in the car and thinking, oh gosh, we're going to live in a church. It was um, three-floored terraced house. And to me, it looked like a church. Hickman Road in Sparkbrook. And we lived in second floor of this house. We had two rooms a communal kitchen and bath- and a communal bathroom. So it's like a house shed type situation. You had a couple of rooms, a couple of communal yeah. areas. The bathroom and the kitchen, communal, yeah. There was a, an Irish family and the rest uh, were black. No blacks, no dogs, no Irish. In my last but one episode, about growing up mixed race. I spoke about a time when I was in Scotland with my family and I recalled a time when my mum got 
upset she experienced some form of racism there so i asked her about that in this episode and we also spoke about those looks that you get you know those looks when you're out and about those things that are just not the overt racism that everybody expects you know it's not all about being called the n-word is it it's so much deeper and so much more subtle than that especially in this country but i think uh, a lot of us people of color just know about those little sideways looks so yeah we get into that faint memory of something in scotland oh yes yeah um being out of sparkbrook when we went away anywhere and nothing was ever said it was the looks yeah and your dad used to say, oh, because you're so beautiful. That's why they can't take their eyes off you. Bless him. <laughs> but, yeah, that I found uncomfortable being mm. stared at when I had you and, and your brother. I was stared at by both black and white. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Getting it from both sides. From both sides, yeah. <laughs> Had anyone ever openly been critical of your your sort of interracial relationship? Or was it, again, just sort of these snide looks and stuff like that? Just snide looks. Nobody has ever actually said anything to me. Mm. Mm. I think a lot of what we experience is, is the subtle stuff, isn't it? That, And it's funny because yeah. I, I've actually re- recorded an episode about what it was like growing up. Uh, growing up mixed race and I did touch on the thing that happened in Scotland because that's one of my earliest memories but again how much of it is just so subtle that to the outside eye looking in that people just wouldn't see it but it's definitely something that you very much feel isn't it yes yeah even abroad going abroad you know you feel it eyes are on you We've all got our own stories about our relationship with our hair and I'll go into mine in more detail in a future episode but it mainly consisted of just having big brushed out bushy hair and I spoke to my mum about the impact of having lost her mum when she was so young and how that impacted my mum's relationship with her hair because she didn't have anyone to learn from. And I also asked mum what it was like as a mother watching your own child going through traumas so let's start with like with a hair perspective <laughs> how did you find looking after my hair when I was little well I think your dad looked after your hair more than I did <laughs> well let's say he was a little bit a uh, little bit more sensitive with the brush <laughs> well mum died when I was eight so I never paid that much attention to my hair it was only I think from secondary school with my black friends and what they use you know I would get to put in my own hair yeah so I didn't have a mum to say this is what you need to do I never really paid that much attention to me hair I did wonder actually I did think about you know the impact of you having lost your mum so young and what you know how that sort of manifested itself in terms of your relationship with your hair and then in turn like you know knowing what to do with my hair because I think a lot of people have got this idea that if you've got a black mom they automatically know what to do with your hair 
um, but still, our hair types are totally different. So yeah, and I, I, you know, we grew up didn't have like the black part of the family around. Yeah, you know, like an aunt or anything like that. It was Everyone's just in Dominica or in London or yeah. So it was just it was just dad and granddad will have been doing the best that he could at that at that point of time. Obviously, after losing his wife having a, a new baby and then another couple of kids to look after as well I'm sure sitting yeah. down and doing hair care was not at the top of granddad's list of priorities was it exactly exactly but you know what mom considering you didn't get to learn from your mom what it's like to be a mom you've been mm. just an amazing mom and I've been through so many different things in my life, as you well know, and you've always just been there for me, just unconditionally to love and support me. And I love and appreciate you for that. And that's why I was sort of like pestering you to come and do this little Mother's Day special. I know it's going outside of your comfort zone and I know it's not the sort of thing that you would ordinarily do, but I just think that you deserve to be honoured because all that you are as a mother is 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 from just the heart and the core of who you are, not from yeah, what you've you learned. Know, you, you, you know, you were my children, you and your brother, and that's all that mattered to me was your well-being. I don't give a damn what anyone else thought. As long as I didn't hurt my children and I brought you up the way that I felt fit, whether that's right or wrong, in some parts, maybe, I don't know, but I'm very proud of uh, you and your brother now. Oh, thank you. Well, I think we've turned into good human beings. Yeah. Maybe we'll do so, so. So I know it's been, um, as I say, some of the challenges that you've had to watch me go through. What is that like? I mean, I'm a mother now, and the thought of having to watch Shola go through any of the things that I've been through What's that like as a mother? It's heartbreaking and you just want to take whatever pain it is you're going through, whatever trouble you're going through, you just want to take that away. Mm. It is it is hard being a parent. What the best advice to give? No, it, it is hard. Yeah. And everyone everyone's different in how they deal with things. I don't know some of the stuff that I've dealt with, whether it was right or wrong, but you deal with it with how you, you know, see fit to. And you evolve, don't you? We evolve because, you know, when you had me, what, you were 23? That's pretty young. Yeah. So the mum that I had then is a different mum to the mum that I've got now because you're older, you're wiser, and... Mm. um, you know, and Jamie, my brother, when he came along, you will have been slightly yeah. older than you were when you had me. So it's just yeah. an evolving journey, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, you know, a learning journey on the way. <laughs> yeah. And all we can do is the best that we can in the circumstances that, that we find ourselves in. And I think you have exactly. done an amazing job, Mum. Thank you.
well, this is just a little tribute to you to say thank you for all that you are and all that you've been and for just being my rock throughout all of my challenging times and helping me to get through because there have been times when it's been really, really hard to see a way forward or a way out. But just having the love of you and dad, just my family, we're a really close family, aren't we? And I, I just think we're so lucky to have what we've got. That has just been the one thing that has always helped to motivate me to get through any of the challenges that I've been through. So I literally owe it all to you guys. <laughs> Your dad was the talker, I was the beater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, not just me either. Remember <laughs> remember when those boys stole Jamie's bike? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you used to be an athlete back in the day, didn't you? Back in the day, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, you want to see my mom's calves, you lot. My mom has got some serious calves. And the one day me and my brother are in the park and um, these boys stole my brother's bike. I don't know if you've ever seen Terminator, but my mom, the way she ran out of that house. I was hiding at the time when you came home and said somebody had taken Jamie's bike. Yeah, and you got it back and those boys never messed with us again, did they? No. Yeah, I think I slapped him. Um, yeah, well, I, I wasn't trying to incriminate, yeah. <laughs> 1990s street justice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you definitely weren't one to be messed with, that's for sure. Dad was always like the diplomatic one. Let's resolve this. Let's go to the police. And mum was like, let's not. Let's just slap him down and get the bites back. <laughs> but I love uh, that fire. I love that fire. Well, nobody messes with my kids. No, they didn't. And if they did, they never did it again. <laughs> And in the final section of my Mother's Day special, we speak about the ups and downs and times when, let's be honest, I wasn't all sweetness in light. And in fact, I was downright angry. And we speak about what was at the bottom of my anger. And I asked mum if she could turn the clock back, would she do anything differently? If you could describe what it's like being my mum in three words, what three words would you pick? Oh, gosh. Describe being your mum. Amazing. Yeah, a... Privileged. Um, no, oh, yeah. <laughs> Making the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Privileged. Ah, Mum. Yeah. I loved being your mum, you know. We've had ups and downs. When I was a teenager, I was a I bit of a... destroyed you myself. <laughs> <laughs> Me? Mum, the, the sun shines out of my backside. What do you mean? <laughs> but I've uh, never stopped loving you through these uh, hard times that you put us through. <laughs> can, we just, can we just clarify these hard times for, for a very short period of time when I was a teenager? Yeah. And I've been perfect ever yeah. since. You have. But I, I, I was um, in one of the episodes that I've just recorded as well. I was talking about what I went through at school, and I think a lot of that was just me projecting. It was just a lot of my anger at all of the situations that I was finding myself in and not really knowing how to process those emotions. And it just led to me being a very angry person for a while. So, and I didn't see that. Yeah, I didn't see that. But I think, and I'm sorry for that. 
No, you don't have to say that, Mum. I think we just live in different times now. I think that people are a lot more conscious and aware of the impact of, you know, life experience on people's personalities. It's something Mm. that people are a lot more open to talk about now. And I know when I asked you to come and do this podcast, you're of the old school, aren't you? You're not the sort of person that goes talking your business on the internet. But no, no. I'm really grateful that we are living in a slightly more open society now because it normalises things. It makes you realise, oh, actually, I'm not that alien. Or you get to hear other people's experiences and realise that you're not so alone. So it's just an evolution. True. If you knew then what you know now, would you have done anything any differently? Um, No. Well, maybe, maybe... I should have been more tuned into what you were going through with your identity. Yeah. Maybe that. But that that's that that's another thing, isn't it? How do you, as a monoracial parent, know really what it's like to be mixed race? I don't think anybody does. It's, no. it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? Until you live that life experience. How do you know? True. You and dad. But- got together and are still together because you love each other it was just a family made out of love and um the sort of what I experienced outside of the family unit was just outside of our outside of our control Mm -hmm. wasn't it yeah so whether I could have done anything about that then I don't I don't know no I think you did the best that you could at the time mom yeah 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 if you were to give me a bit of advice now in raising Shola, um, what would you say from your own experience? Oh, do you know what? I think you're doing just fine as a mother. I think you're a great mother. Um, I can't tell you, I can't give you any more advice. Zoe, I think you're doing it. Ah, oh, You're you. doing it. You're smashing it. Thank you. You know, with your, your disabilities now, now you're smashing it. Just carry on doing what you're doing. You're a Thanks. great mum. That means the world to me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this Mother's Day edition of the Curl Squad's Curl Power podcast. And I hope you've enjoyed hearing first-hand experience from a member of the Wimrush generation, my mum and it's quite hard for me to imagine I'm sure you will all be aware of the recent political scandal the Windrush scandal where this conservative government were deporting and detaining and taking away the rights of people who came to this country legally that literally could have been my mum and you can hear her she's as brummy as they come people who grew up in this country knowing nothing but this country as, as home being detained and deported back to lands that they haven't seen since they were children. So, let's just take a moment to acknowledge and to send love to those people that were impacted by this absolutely disgraceful Tory policy. It could have been my mother. So here's wishing you, if you're celebrating Mother's Day, a very happy Mother's Day. And if you are feeling the loss, I'm sending you so much love. 
and if you're somebody who's been desperately trying to be a mother for a long time I see you and I feel you too so here is big love to each of you and if you enjoyed this episode and you're listening via Apple I would really appreciate a little five star review if you think it's five star content yeah and a cheeky little written review you can also follow us on the socials and keep in touch through the email you can join the mailing list on the website and that is at thecurlsquad.com and we're on all the socials at thecurlsquad.com so curl friend wishing you a blessed week ahead and i'll see you next time